day in church and happy Sabbath. It is, it is good to see you all here. And it's a blessing to be here in, in God's house, in His presence, and with you, and to be able to worship with you. Uh, tomorrow, uh, the world has set aside this day to be uh, considered Mother's Day. I think we should honor our mothers and our fathers every day. That's the commandment, right? But there is nothing wrong if you want to set aside a day to show special appreciation for your mother. And I know that the date uh, may also bring mixed feelings to some people because, you know, we are not perfect. Not every mother has been perfect. Not every family is perfect. And, but all in all, we thank God for the gift of life. And we all came to this world because at some point a woman uh, carried us in their womb and finally we came to this world and we thank God for for motherhood uh, but today I'd like to talk about something that relates to a topic I preached here six uh, six weeks eight weeks ago almost uh, ago uh, it was in March on March 19th and at that point I preached about sin and the nature of sin and uh, the fact that we are all sinners so today I'd like to follow up uh, with that, talking now about temptation. Uh, but before I do that, before I start, let me pray here because I want the Lord to be in control here, uh, as He has been so far. So please join me for this prayer. As far as possible, uh, kneel with me. Heavenly Father, once again we come before you and... We can feel, we know that the Holy Spirit is here in our midst. But we now ask you, Lord, in a special way, that as we open the Bible and as we go to Scripture and read from Scripture and study, that you may be with all of us. Those who are hearing, that our hearts may be opened and our minds as well, that we may take it to heart. And also, Lord, as I speak, may I be used by your Holy Spirit, that every word that I say, may be guided and led and inspired by you. And may I not convey my own ideas, but only yours. And Lord, anoint my lips and use us as your instruments. I ask you these blessings in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, these things happened to them as example. But they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to men. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. Now, we saw that other time that sin uh, is not a popular topic today. Gradually, the word sin has been replaced with uh, sickness or disease or, or something like that. So, I even mentioned that time a quote from a psychologist, from an American psychologist. He's deceased now. His name is Orville Mower. And he made this statement when he was not a Christian. He made a couple of statements, which I mentioned at that time, and I'm going to say them, them again. Just so long as we deny the reality of sin, we cut ourselves off, it seems, from the possibility of radical redemption. That's a non-Christian 
uh, speaking about sin. And later on he said this, To have the excuse of being sick rather than sinful is to court the danger of also becoming lost. In becoming a moral, ethically neutral and free, we have cut the very roots of our being, lost our deepest sense of selfhood and identity, and find ourselves asking, who am I? What is my deepest destiny? What does living mean? So here's an, uh, a psychologist, a non-Christian saying that uh, we have gradually uh, talked about sickness and disease, but uh, we are actually becoming a moral society in general, ethically neutral and free. And that's detrimental to our understanding of who we are and what's our destiny, what's our goal in life. Now, I even asked at that time if you were sinners because we sin, or if, you we, sin, or if we sin because we're sinners. And we came to the conclusion that we have this sinful nature. We are born in a state of rebellion against God. We also saw in Genesis 127 that God made Adam and Eve in his own image. But according to Genesis 5.3, Adam and Eve had children according to Adam's image. Adam's children were born in his image, not in God's image according to Genesis. And also in Genesis 8.21, after the flood, God said that the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth which means that we are born with, uh, with sin within us. Now, we are sinful, that's the truth. And we struggle with sin all of our lives. We struggle with it. And one aspect of this struggle in the Bible is called temptation. It's one aspect of this struggle. It's not the only one. And uh, you might be surprised, some might be surprised, that the word temptation in our English Bible actually comes from the same word as trial, as test. So when you're tempted, you're being tried, you're being tested, right? Uh, we are tried, we are tested in our lives, we are tempted. And someone even said once that if temptation, temptation could be eliminated, then sin would be eliminated as well. I don't totally agree with that because temptation, as we are going to see here today, is not only something external. If temptation, in all that had to do with temptation, was only external, then you only had to go and lock yourself up in your room and stay there forever and you'd never be tempted. You'd never be exposed to anything. But there's something more to temptation that we need to understand today. And I'm going to touch uh, based on that uh, uh, further on. Now it's common, it's very common to hear excuses for sin. And people use actually temptation or they try to justify sin with temptation. Oh, because I was tempted beyond my control. Oh, I failed because it hit right at my weakness. You know, I, I failed because someone else made me do it. Or even I failed because the devil made me do it. And the devil takes the blame for many things that we do. And I'm not here to justify the devil. He's the one <clears throat> who originated sin. And he will be ultimately the one who will pay for it. But we are responsible for our choices. And that reminds me actually of a, of a story of a man. 
he was trying to lose weight. He was trying hard to lose weight. And on his way to work, there was this nice bakery that had all those goodies that he, you know, loved to stop there and buy and eat. And he said, I got to change something here. So I'm not going to drive by that bakery anymore. I'm going to do a different way to work. That's a decision I'm making. And so he did. And so every day he would leave home and drive uh, around. Go, I mean, not drive past that bakery. And he did it for several weeks. Now one day, you know, without actually realizing, he, he drove his old way. He drove right past the bakery. And he was going toward the bakery. And then he realized that and said, oh, I'm taking the wrong way today. I'm taking my old way. What am I supposed to do? And then he's, he thought, well, maybe that's God's sign. That's a, God from, uh, that's a sign from the Lord that I, you know. So here is what I'm going to do. I'll continue driving. And I'll drive past the bakery. And if there is, if there is a parking spot, I'll take it for sure as a sign from the Lord that I should stop there and buy something. And so he did. And you know what the interesting thing was? There was a parking spot on the eighth time around. <laughs> and he took it as a sign from the Lord. So you see, sometimes we, we fail and we blame again, blame and even can... can try to justify that as being a sign from the Lord. But here's the key point I want you to think about. Where does temptation come from? Where does temptation come from? And like I said, how, we are, how are we tempted? Like I said, there is more to temptation than just an external thing. Well, in the Bible, there are two a very typical examples of temptation. And I'm sure you can, you can think of them. Which, which two examples are those? Two prime examples of temptation. Two stories that when you think about temptation, we always think about them. Adam and Eve and, and Jesus in the, in, the, in the wilderness, right? Those are the two prime uh, examples of temptation. In, in one of the cases, the first one, uh, they failed. In the second one, Jesus was victorious. So let me go quickly through those stories. And let's try to see some things interesting and important there. From which we can take lessons as we deal and as we fight temptation. Temptation is real. Now, in the case of Adam and Eve, the temptation directly challenged God's instructions regarding what was permitted and what was forbidden. So that's a characteristic of temptation. It distorted what God, has, God had said. And finally denied God's truth. And you know it denied God's law. Not just an impersonal law. But some specific guidelines that God had made. And God's intention for mankind. God's plan for man was, was challenged. In that temptation there in the garden of Eden. So more than that, what seemed to be delightful, what seemed to be pleasurable, what seemed to be pleasing to the senses is made a way to temptation, is made a way for the enemy of God's intention to mankind. Now, in the case of Jesus, in the case of Jesus' temptation, the three specific temptations 
did not deal with Jesus' power or with his uh, messiahship, with his divinity. That was not the thing that was in question there. The thing that was in question was trying to make Jesus do something that would be alternative to God's original plan. So Jesus was offered something that would actually circumvent God's original plan. So that's what temptation was about in that case. But let's remember, and that's why I'm going to, to, to go back to these stories, because as we read today in our scripture text, those things that happened to those people, those things that happened to Adam and Eve and to Jesus, and to all of them happened to be an example to us. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 10. But they were written down for our instruction. And therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. So let's look at a few details here. In the case of Eve, before Eve ate of the fruit, was Eve perfect? Yes or no? She was perfect. She had no trace of sinfulness. She had no trace of sin. She was absolutely perfect and innocent. All of her thoughts were pure, right? There was no trace of evil whatsoever. So she, she comes close to the tree. And Satan tries to create a tension there. To create a tension between what God had said, what God had established, and between what he is saying. So, Satan says, you should eat of this fruit because, you know, God said that you are going to die, but you are not going to die. You will surely not die. The only thing that God wants is to prevent you from reaching a higher level of understanding and knowledge. Now, what is Satan appealing to in the case of Eve? Is he appealing to her pride? Did I hear pride? Did I hear the word pride? Is, is Satan appealing to Eve's pride? Yes or no? That's not a rhetorical question. But wasn't she pure? You just said that she, were, she was pure. So did she have pride? Well, if, if we consider that pride is not, is not a, a sacred thing, uh, she didn't have pride then. She was pure still. So Satan is appealing, we could say, to her desire to learn, to her desire to acquire more knowledge, to her curiosity. She's appe he's appealing to her desire to grow. That's what he's appealing to. Uh, and, and he says, you know, you're going to reach a higher state. And that sounds interesting to her because she's curious. She's she, she, she likes to learn. She would like to learn more. She would like to grow. And so those were not necessarily bad qualities. But he's, he's trying to convince her to use those qualities, those things, in a way that God had not established. In a way that would be different from what God had established. And after all, Satan gives her evidence he says to her you know i ate of this fruit and now i can speak i'm a serpent why don't you eat Im imagine what's going to happen to you if you eat from this fruit if i who am a serpent am able to speak now just think what could happen to you so he's given her some evidence of what eating the fruit can do 
And God never gave Eve any evidence. God just told her, you are going to die if you eat of that fruit. So Eve is here caught between those two thoughts. She sees evidence that the fruit is delightful, is pleasing to be eaten. And she, she sees on the other hand what God told her. Don't eat because you're going to die. But there is no evidence. So based on, on the evidence that she, she has and based on, the, on God's commandment, she makes her decision. And she made a terrible decision. She ate of the fruit based on the evidence that she had. Now she comes to Adam with the fruit in his hands, in her hands. And Adam looks at her and he immediately realizes there is trouble. And she comes with the fruit, half eaten or a portion of it eaten. And she comes and she shows it to Adam. Now, what is Adam's temptation here? He loves her. And I love that. You know, it makes me think that definitely women are more rational and men are more emotion. Well, anyway. So he loves her. And he, he thinks she will die. And she, she might die tonight. When, when Jesus comes to talk to us like he does every evening, she might die right, right there. Or she may die between now and then. But she will die. And moved out of love. Right? Because he's still pure. He's still perfect. He doesn't have any, any, anything that defiles his mind or character. He's, there is no evil inside of him. He is still pure. She has already sinned, but he has not. So he loves her so much. And he thinks, uh, I'm going to lose her. She's going to die. And so he eats of the fruit as well. He would rather die with her than just see her die. He would rather die with her than be faithful to what, to what God had said. And I'm not justifying Adam's uh, action. I'm just saying that this is, this is what moved him to eat of the fruit. So he ate. So my point with this is that Satan was trying to tempt. Satan was tempting Eve. And then uh, through Eve, he tempted Adam. Based on good qualities that they had at the time because they were pure. But they decided to, to use those good qualities that they had. Those pure qualities in a way that God had not prescribed. Now let's think about the temptations of Jesus. Are you still with me? Yes? Okay. So let's think about the temptations of Jesus now. Uh, some people may think it differently. But here is what your pastor thinks based on biblical evidence. That Jesus took the weaknesses of human beings, but he didn't take their sinfulness. Jesus was not sinful. He took the weaknesses of, that we have. He took the body that we have. Actually, he took the body of Adam, but he was actually weaker than Adam was. And it may be hard for us to wrap our head around it, but it's true. Because Jesus came after about 4,000 years of sin in this world. So his body was, was already, uh, his strength was diminished compared to that of Adam. So Jesus took this body of ours and he was stronger than we are actually 2,000 years ago. But he was weaker than Adam was physically. But he didn't take the sinfulness of Adam. He was not sinful. 
He took the, uh, of the human race, I should say. He took the sinlessness of Adam before the fall, but he didn't take Adam's strength. He was affected by sin, but he was not infected by sin. So that's what the Bible has taught us. Now, in the first temptation of Jesus, Satan comes and says, if you are the Son of God, he is actually saying, you know, since you are the Son of God, since you are the Son of God, turn these, these rocks, these stones into bread. Now, could Jesus do that? Yes, he could. Can you do that? I know I can't. And I know that there is one thing. If there is a need, if there is absolutely need that stones be turned into bread, God can operate a miracle through me or through you. But I know that out of myself I cannot do that. But Jesus could. So the question is not whether he was the Son of God and he was not. Because 40 days ago he was baptized by John the Baptist. 40 days prior he was baptized by John the Baptist. And God spoke from heaven, this is my beloved son this is my beloved son so he was the son of god he knew that but now satan says well if you are really the son of god turn these stones into bread so the thing here is that he's he's tempting jesus to do something that was outside of god's plan now the next temptation jesus is is told to to jump and and the angels would come and save him and he would command and the angels would come. Jesus didn't even have to command the angels to come save him. Jesus could actually save himself. Right? So the, the thing here is that he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to prove anything to Satan. He knew he was the son of God. And finally, finally, Satan comes to Jesus and says, Can you see all these kingdoms? Can you see all the world? I'll give them all to you. I'll give them all to you if you just worship me. So again, Jesus had the whole world. Jesus has everything. He's God. But he was being tempted to do something immediately, to, to get control of the world immediately, because Jesus knew that Satan, for a time, he's the ruler in this planet. But Satan is offering to him to take control of the world back again, immediately, right there. But that was not God's original plan. Jesus had to go all the way through the cross and die and rise again. And then one day finally claim this world to him totally and completely. So the temptation here was not because Jesus could not do something. But it was for him to do something that would be outside of God's plan. So these are two important and essential elements in every temptation. Temptations appeal to some things that we have within us. And they also appeal to us for us to do something that is not according to God's plan. Now, like I said in the beginning, if all there was to temptation was just those external things, then we'd be fine. But let me ask you something here. If you are in your bedroom at night, Okay, and you are in bed. We're just ready to, to sleep. We're just almost falling asleep. Uh, which none of you are right now, I believe. You're just praying for me. But you're in your bedroom all dark. 
and you're prepared to sleep, you're, you can't see anything, it's absolutely dark. And uh, you have prayed and you are preparing to go to sleep and then usually it takes you uh, 15 minutes to really fall asleep. And during that time, uh, a thought comes to mind. And you remember someone with whom you had, you know, a disagreement. And you remember that situation. Didn't want to think about it, but it just came to mind. And the first thing you should do actually should be you should go down and kneel and, and, and pray, Lord, remove this from my mind. I don't want to think about it, but you don't do that. For some reason, you don't do that. And you continue to think about it. And you think and you think and you say, you know, tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to go up to that person and they are going to hear some good things from me. And we are going to set the record straight. And you decide to do that and then you manage to fall asleep and you, 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 you sleep. Now, my question to you is, this scenario that I'm painting here, what I'm saying here, is this totally nonsense or is this something that could happen? Could it happen? It could. So there was no external, there was no visual thing, there was nothing. It was just in your thoughts, right? But, but, but it could happen, right? So that shows us that temptation, it may be, uh, there may be an external stimulus, and, and that's what the devil does. But it appeals to something that we have in our minds. And I'm not the one saying this. Open your Bibles to James chapter 1. This is not coming from me. James chapter 1, verses 13 to 15. To the question, where does temptation come from? James 1, 13, 15. Let no one say when he's tempted, I am tempted by whom? Okay, so we know that temptation does not come from God. Okay, you will see in your Bible that God tempted Abraham. The Bible does say that, right? That comes from the Hebrew, the same word, like I said, to be tested, to be tried. But not that God was tempting Abraham to, to, to sin, to commit evil. So James is saying, let no one say when he's tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So it's clear here that temptation does not come from God. Verse 14. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by, by what? By his own desires and enticed. Verse 15. Then when desire has conceived. It gives birth to sin. And sin when it's full grown brings forth death. So you see there is, there is something within us. That actually is, is stimulated by things we see or we hear. And then those things become a temptation for us. So that's why we need to be attentive. Because it's not just a matter. I heard a very uh, well-meaning person come to me and say, You know, I'd like, to go to, uh, I'd like to do college in an Adventist school rather than the school I'm attending. Because if I go to the Adventist school, I'll be totally surrounded by, 
by a good environment, a Christian environment, and I'll be protected from, from outside influences. And it doesn't work that way, my brothers and sisters, because we are sinful. So we need to take care of the every avenue to our minds. We need to take care, we need to protect those, and we need to fill, fill our minds with good things so that we can so that we can resist temptation. That's the key. There is a story of, uh, of an eagle. You know, it's, you may have heard this story. So this eagle was looking for, for a meal, was hungry. And he was uh, soaring uh, upon the skies and he was, was looking down to the forest, to the river. And then he, he spotted right there on a piece of ice, on a chunk of ice that had, uh, it was the spring thaw time. So he, he saw a, a chunk of ice that was going down the river and there was a mouse on it. And it seemed that the mouse was, uh, was you know, his, his uh, feet, his feet, we say, was, was stuck to the ice. And he said, oh, that, there is my meal. And so the, the eagle swooped down and went straight there and, and was able to, to land on the ice and, and catch the mouse and, and have his meal. And he's having his meal there and he's, he's being uh, satisfied. He's resolving his hunger problem. And then he notices that the, the, the waterfall is just, just coming up. And the ice is approaching the waterfall. And he's trying to hurry there to finish his meal. And he's thinking, well, I'm, I'm strong enough. I'm big enough. I have wide wings enough to, that I can at any time soar and, and fly and reach the skies and, and fly to safety. And he's thinking about that and he's finishing his meal. And then the time comes when he finishes his meal and he says, now it's time for me to spread my wings and fly. But then he didn't realize that the warmth of his, of his body had actually melted a little bit of the ice. And so his, his claws got, got stuck there in the ice and he couldn't, he couldn't fly away. So he was dragged down the river, dragged down the waterfall uh, to death. So what's the lesson here? Is that no human being should think that should be overconfident and should think, you know, I can play with this and when the time comes, I can just stop doing that. No, we are not, we are not strong enough. Evil is stronger than we are. We need Jesus. We, need, we can't be just confident in ourselves because it can happen to any one of us. And that's a recipe for disaster if you trust in yourselves. Given the right circumstances, any of us is capable of failing. Don't you think that you're above the level of being tempted? Don't you think that anyone else is beyond temptation? Because we are not. Anyone who thinks they are beyond the, the point of being tempted, they're actually lying. Now, if temptation appeals to something that uh, we have within us, to something that we have in us, if temptation appeals to our you know, evil tendencies to our propensity to evil. How are we going to resist temptation if that's something that is within us? Well, the Bible gives us the way out. The Bible gives us the way of escape. We go back to 1 Corinthians 10, 11 and 13, our, our scripture text for today. And verse 13 says clearly, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. 
But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So God, God is not the one who tempts, right? We just, said, we just read that in James. No one should say, I'm tempted by God. God does not tempt. What does God do? He provides the way of escape. So God is the one who is going to help you in the moment of temptation. God would never tempt you, but He will help you. That's, that's what God does. Turn your Bibles to Luke 22, verses 30, 31 and 32. Luke 22, 31, 32. Here and see what God does. This is what God does. Luke 21, 22, 31, 32. Jesus is saying, Simon, Simon, talking to Peter. Behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have done what? I have prayed for you that your faith may not fall, fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So Jesus prays for you. Jesus takes care of you. He doesn't want you to fail. He doesn't want you to fall into temptation. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 18. Hebrews 2.18 says, For in that he himself, talking about Jesus, has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Jesus is able to aid us. Jesus is able to help us in the moment of need. So what are, what are we supposed to do? What should we do? Romans 12.2 Romans 12.2 Remember that by heart maybe? Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed. Do not be molded to this world. Do not put yourself into the mold of this world. Do not be conformed to it. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How can we renew our mind? Spend time in scripture. Spend time with God. Pray. Have your daily devotion. So you can be close to God. And be able to resist temptation. Here are a few practical things that you can do. You can sing a song. When temptation comes. When a thought comes that you know it's not right. Sing a song. I'm sure you have hymns, you have songs that are dear to your heart and that are meaningful to you. Sing them right there on the spot. To get temptation, to get yourself away from temptation. Recite scriptures. I'm sure you have some scriptures, some texts that you love. So recite them. If you can't recite them by heart, print them off, write them down. Have them right in front of you. Whenever temptation comes, you go to those texts and you read them out loud. Speak them out. Claim Bible promises. The promises in the Bible are not there just to fill up the pages. The promises in the Bible are there because God is true and faithful. And He expects you to claim those promises. Psalm 39 verse 12. Psalm 39 verse 12. If you can't say anything else, you just cry to the Lord, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Or like this, the blind Bartimaeus said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. 
You may not be able to say anything, but in the midst of temptation, when you feel you're going to fail, you just claim, Lord, have mercy on me. My daughter was nine, year, nine days old. Nine days old. This was early June 2004. I was driving back from a meeting with a friend of mine who worked at the media center. I was driving back from a city two and a half hours from where we lived. And it was raining heavily. And I, I think I was not driving too fast. But if you ask my friend, he will say, yes, you were too fast. But I was driving back home under, under the rain. I thought I was being careful. But then on, on a curve, there was so much water on the, on the road that the car, how do you say in English, aqua, aquaplaned, right? Aquaplaning. And so the car drifted that way. And it wouldn't have been too bad if I hadn't seen a bus stop right on the shoulder, picking up passengers. And I said, I'm going to go exactly straight underneath the bus. And I, I saw that coming. And you know, in, in just those few seconds, I didn't know what to do. I, I removed my, my, my foot from the pedal and I tried to control it. There was no control whatsoever. The only thing I, I remember doing, and my friend witnessed to that later, is that I said, oh Lord, save me. That's the only thing I could say. Well, did the Lord save me? I'm here alive today, right? I am. Praise the Lord. And you know, as a movie, I could, I could see my, my daughter, my nine-day-old daughter, and my son, and my wife, and I could quickly think about that. And that's the only thing that came to mind, and I cried to the Lord. So, I was not in the midst of temptation, but you know, it's the same thing. If you are, if you are in the middle of a situation and you feel, you're going, you feel you're going to fail, cry out to the Lord. Say, Lord, help me. Help me. I can't, I can't stand it. I can't resist this. Romans 8, 37. Yet, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. You are called to be a conqueror. You are called to be victorious over sin. This is not just for Paul. This is not just for the Romans. This is not just for, old, for those of old times. It's for all of us. And Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, as He was teaching the disciples how to pray, He said, Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil one. And you can pray to God and you can cry out to the Lord. Matthew 26, verse 41. Matthew 26, 41. Jesus says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yeah, we may have the desire to do right, but the flesh is weak. And we have to struggle with this until Jesus comes and our bodies will be transformed. And if you think that you have prayed and you still feel weak, and you think still going to fail, remember 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing pray and pray and pray and ask for deliverance and i'd like to leave you with a word of encouragement we all can be tempted we all are tempted on a daily basis for some it may be an addiction for others it may be their temper for others it may be anger for others it may be you know lying 
not being truthful all the time, hiding things, it, it may take a variety of forms because it depends on who you are. Depends on how your, your character is, how your personality is. So everything that is around there, some things will represent a temptation for me and, and not for you. And some other things may be a hard temptation for you, but not for me. But the counsel we have from Scripture is that we can, we can go back to the Lord and ask for help, and He will deliver us. Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2, and I'm going to finish with this. And I strongly encourage you, you know, when you get home this afternoon, you read through chapter 3 of Colossians, or at least... Uh, through verse 17, Colossians 3, 1 to 17. But this is a precious passage. And Paul is saying to the Colossians, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So, my dear friends, brothers and sisters, if you want to be victorious in every temptation that comes your way, set your things, set your mind on the things above. Do not set your mind on the things of the earth. Do not set your mind on yourself. Do not look at yourself. If you look at yourself, you're going to be discouraged. Look at Jesus. Look at Him. Look at the promises. Look at the victory he had over temptation there in the wilderness. And he will strengthen you. He will make you strong. He will help you get through temptation and be victorious in life. Now, if life would, be, uh, would end today, if Jesus would come tonight, he would go home after the sermon, you leave this place encouraged and strengthened and everything would be all right. But if Jesus doesn't come tonight, we still have another week, maybe another month, and then everything comes back again. So in two weeks, next time I'm, I'll be here on the Sabbath, I'll be talking about how to live a victorious life with Jesus, right? And not only overcoming one single temptation, but how to be victorious, how to overcome temptation and sin through the rest of our lives until Jesus comes. Does that sound interesting? Well, it sounds to me a lot. So I'll see you on a Sabbath in two weeks. And uh, may God bless you. And may God strengthen our resolution as we continue our journey with Him. God bless you.